Welcome back to the Almost Shameless podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and I am on the wrong side of the screen for this recording if you are watching this. I can fix that actually. Watch no, this. no, no. It's actually pretty funny now. Like <laughs> it, it really is. It's it's great because I'm going to include it. I have to tell the people. I have to. I'm always very open because it it really exposes our bond. My my guest. Obviously, I have a guest on today. It is Jarrett Bailey. He is the co-host of the Leases Out podcast. He's an NFL contributor for Fansided. Thank you for joining me, Jarrett. You are not only my guest, but also hosting the platform by which we are speaking today as like it's like it's a quite a next level uh podcast guest uh behavior to be hosting what we're talking on so i really appreciate you doing that for me Streamyard, thank you well zoom isn't nice to me so we had to improvise yeah (laughs) i told you this beforehand like every show i go on like where they send me a zoom like i'm like yeah, that ain't gonna happen, bro. So uh, we're gonna have to do something else. So are you? You have you done this before? Yeah. I'm not your first. You're not my first. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you didn't take my having to think on the fly virginity, unfortunately. Well, either way, that explains why we're set up the way that we are. I told you last week that I wanted to bring on someone to actually talk about broader NFL stuff with me. It turns out this week was a good week to do it. I could not have talked to myself about a lot of the things that are going on. I tend to rant as it is. So this is the perfect opportunity to have someone on. And then I just want to talk about like other shit going on. I know that my Patriots fan, like listeners and followers love to talk Patriots and we will hit on them at some point. Um, But there's like a bunch of other stuff going on around the league that I've been dying to talk about with somebody else that watches the entire league and pays attention. So we're going to do that. Uh, But um, this week, John Gruden resigned after uh, emails came out that were part of the NFL's investigation into the Washington football team, the culture there. There's, it's a very complex story, but with easy to understand top, you know, sort of broad issues at hand. He resigned because the emails came out, but there was a slow burn of these emails. First, it came out that he had said something racist about Demora Smith. Um, That those email, that email was leaked on Friday. It was just one email. Then the Raiders sort of tried to underplay it. He said this 10 years ago when he worked for ESPN, we're we're bummed about it, we'll move on. Not our problem. Uh, Obviously paraphrasing, but that was the general gist. Am I right, Jarrett? That's that's pretty spot on, yes. Okay, great. Just holding myself accountable here. And then... (laughs) The next couple of days, I think, what was it, two days later, not even, the rest of the emails came out. No, I guess it was, what was it, Monday that the rest of the emails came yeah, out? Yeah, it would have been Monday because he resigned okay. and they, you know, they made the announcement during Monday Night Football. Okay, that's right. Okay, so Monday, the rest of the emails came out and there was a lot of them. And they spanned from 2011 to 2018 and they were discovered because they were back and forth with uh, the former president of the Washington football team, Bruce Allen. And when I, I, I need you guys to just bear with me here. I understand that I could be very dramatic, but these emails included racism, homophobia, misogyny, um, shots at Colin Kaepernick and the, you know, the, the kneeling movement shots at the idea of taking care of people who are dealing with concussions. I mean, he hit on so many different topics. He shared topless 
photos of Washington football team cheerleaders. Um, this was between him and Bruce Allen. There was so much said in this. I won't repeat the words used. I won't repeat the actual language, but I do encourage people to actually go and read the columns and the articles, uh, the, the reporting on this, because reading it and reading exactly what he said, the language he used, who he spoke about, he targeted Michael Sam, the first openly gay NFL player, specifically in those emails, he targeted specifically politicians and Roger Goodell. And like I said, Demora Smith and these cheerleaders and female referees, it was truly endless. And I, and I want you to understand that reading it is much more powerful than me just telling you that this happened. So please do that. However, uh, for my own sanity, I'm not going to repeat it. He had, he resigned soon after that. Um, I, I wish that it hadn't, hadn't gotten to the point where he was able to resign. I wish that he had been fired after the first horribly racist thing was outed, but that's not what happened. So we are at this point where there's been all this discovery of these emails. They were they came out in a because they've been going through these 650,000 plus documents as part of the investigation into the Washington football team. So there is a lot to cover here. The first thing I want to make clear is that I have never once in my professional life since I started covering the NFL, thought John Gruden was a good guy. And I think, you know, Jarrett, you can tell me your honest opinion about this. And I'm really interested because I think for women and people in the minority groups that he was speaking about, I think it's much easier to detect bullshit and con artistry with guys like this than it might be for your average dude who watches football. You tell me what your thoughts are on how how surprised you are that John Gruden, this has come out about him, and what your thoughts about him were honestly before all this happened. Because I, I haven't been able to talk to someone in your situation that is genuinely not, I, as far as I know, you're not one of the minorities that was targeted in this specific horrific set of emails. And I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy thing to talk about, obviously, and it's not, but it can be easy. Like we have to have these uncomfortable conversations to make any sort of progress. So, I mean, I've never had anything against John Gruden. I mean, I've never been like a diehard Gruden guy, but I've never been like, I hate John Gruden. It's just always been like, yeah, he'll, he's fun for sound bites. Like he'll give you something funny to listen to. Frank Caliendo will say something funny in his voice and it'll make you laugh. Like th that's been basically my thoughts on Gruden throughout, but it's annoying and just, it's frustrating that, and in this day and age, we have to constantly say, just respect each other and love each other, regardless of what color you are, what your sexual orientation is. If you're, you know, straight, gay, black, white, male, female, like, like why do we have to keep having this conversation? That's the most annoying part about it is why do we have to keep doing it? Why is there people like this that keep making us have to reiterate this in the first place? Like, it shouldn't be like this. And like the whole, the biggest thing that pissed me off throughout it, like the topless thing with the shit, like, really? Like fucking really? <laughs> and you thought that that was okay? Yeah. And and the entire thing with the fact that uh, is it the NFL or is it former Washington employees that are trying to get them to release the rest of the emails, which for some reason they're admin on not fucking doing. Yeah, it's because... the NFLPA and lawyers that are representing former Washington football team employees. So two different parties are trying to get them to do it. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, six hundred fifty thousand emails. I would bet any amount of money it's not just gruden that's dirty and i think that's what the nfl is trying to keep covered up because they know 
there's plenty of other people that are saying the same things that Gruden did, whether they're still saying it or whether they were saying it. And that's the one thing that they don't want to get uncovered, whether it's Dan Snyder, who's still the owner of the Washington football team, whether it's just other former coaches, current coaches, former players, current players, administration, it doesn't matter. They know that people are dirty in terms of this. And they don't want that to come out because that's going to be a giant stain on them. That's the thing is like, I think part of what I've been processing over the last couple of days, um, misogyny is nothing new in the NFL, um, but it is hard to process. Like it does, I am a very empathetic person and it's hard for me to read and hear these things. And the reality is that John Gruden represents a type of person that exists across the NFL. And I think that's why people are, like if we could look at this and say like, this is clearly an isolated incident and this is clearly something that slipped under off the NFL's radar because bad people exist in every corner of the world. That's one thing, but there is, as you kind of alluded to, this is not, this isn't, this is an archetype of a person that has been innate, not only like was created in some ways by football culture, but has been enabled um, on every single level level. I mean, we talk about, from the time he became the youngest head coach in the NFL at the time to inheriting a team he didn't build to win a Super Bowl with to eventually leaving and having this long successful career on ESPN and coming back to a 10 year, $100 million contract um, with really no, they ignored Rooney rules to hire him. Um, it, the whole thing has been just white male privilege across the board. And then you go to the NFL and this is a place where that already was thriving and now you're talking, he's talking to a current, at that point, executive for an NFL team, high-ranking executive for one of the most valuable sports franchises in the world. And this is the conversations they're having. We would be absolutely fucking insane to believe that these are isolated, that these two people are not representative of a much larger group of people within the NFL and probably American culture, but in, within the NFL specifically, it it's a, a much more insidious problem. Do I think that this is average behavior for NFL head coaches? No, I don't think that if you just dug into every NFL head coach's emails that you would find stuff like this. This is, this is a unique type of privilege and hate and discrimination being shared openly on this forum. But this, these are the type of people that the NFL has been willing to continue to, I mean, Jared, we everybody thought the hiring of John Gruden in the first place, getting a 10 year, $100 million contract was insane. So for him to be for it to be that guy that turns out to be this sort of bigoted and and just so small minded, it reflects poorly on an entire group of people. And those people are not the female referees. They're not the black players. They're not the black coaches. It's not the gay players who are still afraid to come out. It's not Carl Nassib who was working for this guy who had to take a personal day-to-day -to, -day to fucking go over what he has just learned about this guy who was supposed to be his ally. It's not any of them. It's these types of dudes. And it's uncomfortable, but we have to realize that if this were isolated, completely isolated, why aren't any of us really that fucking surprised? Yeah. And in terms of Carl Nassib, like you feel for him because now he's got to deal with the backlash of this, not necessarily of his own. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, but he did nothing. Yeah, pe people are going to ask him about it. And he's having a hell of a year, too. And instead mm -hmm. of highlighting that, we're going to focus on, hey, do you think that your coach hated you because you're gay? Like, really? Yeah. And that's the thing that and he's going to and that's going to be asked. We know it's going to be asked. 
And look, I get that reporters have a job to do, but goddamn, like he shouldn't be the one who's taking the brunt of this. No. And unfortunately, that's kind of where, you know, the, the buckshot's falling right now. I mean, you got to take a personal day to day, which is understandable. I mean, if I was in his shoes, I probably would need longer than just a day. Yep. So it's, it, it is an overarching problem that we've pointed to for years. And whether, you know, aside from the email thing getting out in the first place, but it's just a lack of representation in terms of whether it's black head coaches, black executives. Um, but denouncing female referees, like John Gruden, like the email sounded like that uncle that you fucking hate at Thanksgiving because he's so short-minded and he just spews bullshit. I, I don't get it. This whole boys club in the NFL where these guys keep getting shot after shot after shot after showing no signs of success previously just because they're buddy-buddy with one another needs to die. Yeah. Because it's got it keeps guys like that in the league. And I'm not saying that – and you already pointed to it. I'm not saying every guy – who gets multiple shots, who wasn't a good head coach, is doing the same things that John Gruden did. But just the aspect of this whole boys club where, okay, yeah, you sucked for a while, but you were friends with this assistant who's now on the staff. You can have a job. Like, shit like that. Like, I think that's part of the problem where we're not getting enough representation, whether it be from African-Americans or people of color in the front office, on coaching staffs. Um, Amy Trask talked about it a little bit on the Rich Eisen Show today, but Every business would benefit from a room full of people who can who can disagree, but indeed agree to disagree. But it's got to be diverse because you're just getting a bunch of kiss ass, you know, kiss my ass. Yes, men in there. You're not going to get anything done. You need a diverse, you know, your workplace. And that involves people of color that involves women. And, you know, it, it's something that's needed to address for a long time. And we talk about it every offseason, too, when it comes to head coaching hirings or front office hirings. So it's something right. that we say that needs to get done. It just never gets done. Right. Yeah. And then, like I said, then you have the Raiders essentially ignoring the Rooney rule just to hire him anyway. So the stuff they have in place isn't necessarily working. And let's this is the this is the thing I would like to make clear, which is that like you being having close people in your life who are black, close people in your life who are gay, close people in your life who are women does not mean you are not racist, homophobic or misogynist. Having your people that benefit you in some way, shape, or form and giving them the grace and dignity of people who are attached to you is only a tiny little bit of your obligation as a member of society. Having the grace and the empathy to extend that to people you don't know, people you don't have relationships with, that makes you a good person. Not being racist directly to the fucking Black people you coach is not an achievement. It is the basic bare minimum that you have to do in order to function in society without getting your fucking face pounded in. So that's not, you don't get a, a gold star for not being racist to your black players' faces. You don't get a gold star for not be, for not, as far as we know, actually sexually harassing or assaulting women. You don't, that all of this is bare minimum stuff. Extending that to people you don't know, extending that grace when you're speaking to another man in emails having that as an ethos and not just in the, your one-on-one -on -one personal relationships, the things that benefit you, that's what makes you a decent person and a person that's qualified to be a leader of men and women in the NFL. That is it. End of story. I don't want to hear from anybody about your personal relationship with John Gruden because personal relationships are like anecdotal. They don't mean anything about someone's beliefs. The racism and the homophobia and all that stuff, it always stops when it's your person or they benefit you in some way, shape, or form. John Gruden's not fucking stupid. 70% of the NFL is black, 
Of course, he has personal relationships with black people. He still has said many things that are racist. And so that that is that'll show you it's almost worse. It's almost worse when you have these types of relationships across your life and you can still sort of commodify them in that way. Like these are my people. They These are the people who benefit me enough with all of that. I, I can't I cannot stress enough. I don't care if you have a wife, daughter or mother. I don't care about your black friends. I don't care about your gay friends. Treat people you don't fucking know, hypothetical people in the world with the same respect, and then I will take you seriously. And, you know, we saw you know, Tony Dungy, Mike Tirico, Tim Brown all kind of come to bat for Gruden after the DeMar Smith email came out. And, you know, I kind of feel for them, too, because they went to bat for him. And they said, uh, Tirico, you know, said, yeah, I worked with him for seven years. I know him just about as anybody in the league. I, I, I don't think that, you know, this is who he is. And then, you know, the night after, it just all unfolds. Like, Right. As soon as I saw that, I was like, damn, it would kind of suck to be Mike Tirico. It would kind of suck to be Tony Dungy right now because they both went to bat for him. Yeah. And that was the fallout of it. Yeah, I mean, Dungy and Tirico is a little, he's a little funky. I don't know what his, what his deal is in the world. He's, he'd said some questionable things in the past, but Tony Dungy is like, he's just a, a good Christian old man who wants to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I'm never like holding him accountable <laughs> for not, it, you know, it's tough. You want to hear these guys come out and be able to be critical right away. Sure. But I'm not going to put that on a black man who's paved the way for an entire generation of black coaches yeah. because he wasn't able to say the right thing on national television. Fuck that. As you said, with the Carl Nassib stuff, this is not the person who needs to bear the brunt of what this white adult man said to another white adult man while, you know, like he's doing his very best. Honestly, God bless Tony Dungy. I wish they would stop putting him. I wish, as you said, I wish people would stop putting him in this situation in the first place. Then he wouldn't be on TV yeah. trying to say things that are very impossible to say yeah. and getting things right. I mean, it's so easy for us to Monday morning quarterback the way people respond to this stuff. And I'm guilty of it. Believe me. Like, and I have to take a look in the mirror a lot of times about like criticizing how other people react to this stuff. Cause it is hard. It's hard. It is. And look, look, we can talk till we're blue in the face about this, but until something actually comes of it, like so we're going to see more of this eventually, maybe not in the same exact scenario or situation, but eventually something else is going to come out about somebody else. And we're going to be having the same conversation saying, who saw this coming? And it's going to be it's on repeat. Yeah. Make some fucking changes. So that, I mean, that does lead me into like the final point of this conversation, which is the NFL, some way, shape or form, these emails got out. Um, there's a lot of other emails. We know that some stuff has been in discovery um, that has been revealed. The same thing with the uh, Adam Schefter reporting <laughs> that came out earlier with Bruce Allen. I, I, you guys can look it up. I'm not explaining it. But there's some stuff that's come out. Somehow, the only communications between Bruce Allen and another person that we know about is one email with a reporter and all of these conversations with John Gruden. That seems a little suspicious. There, We have been waiting for the Washington football team to be held accountable for a, a, a culture that can only be described as like super toxic. I mean, this is like if you took the, the worst that you could imagine in NFL culture and put it into one place, that's what the Washington football team has been like. And they already find and sort of demoted Dan Snyder out of like day-to-day -day operations over the summer so in their mind i'm worried that they've that they have closed the book on it that they are unwilling to open this back up in terms of like potentially forcing dan snyder out of this team which is kind of what everyone wants to see 
I don't have any faith that's going to happen. I don't have any faith that they're going to give us any more of these emails. I have said this to other people. I, I there, the NFL has never given me any reason to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know how you feel. Do you think there's any shot in hell that we find out more about what was in that discovery and all those documents and those emails or, and that potentially somehow this leads to the final nail in the coffin for Dan Snyder? I mean, I can be hopeful about it, but I'm not going to hold my breath about it. You know, the, the difference between the NFL and the NBA, the NBA is a very progressive league. Like we saw them force Donald Sterling out after the things came out of the things that he said. They said, yeah, you're not owning the Clippers anymore. You're selling the team. Like we're not going to, I don't have faith that Roger Goodell and the owners are going to do that to Dan Snyder because like I said, they probably got their own shit that they're trying to cover up. Mm -hmm. So I mean, if Snyder gets outed, there's a lot of guys could probably get outed. Right. And they don't want that. Like, right. so we like even the thing like with Robert Kraft a few, a few years ago, people kind of came to bat for him too. So like, Absolutely, because they don't. That's the problem with the whole setup of the NFL is that the 32 NFL coaches are the bosses of the league. They are Roger Goodell's bosses and they are who run it. And they are also the ones who are supposed to be accountable. And it's not a you can't have the the NFL being judged during an executioner in every single situation. Yeah. Like There is no arbit arbitration. There is no like third party, really. I mean, even we've seen when they've tried to bring in third parties, how sort of half assed it's been. So you think Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft and the, all of these other guys are going to come in and say Dan Snyder needs to go? Like, that's never going to happen. Believe me, and I don't know how much you know, but I know for a fact NFL owners don't all like each other. They would love to get this. They would love to get this guy out if it were possible. It's not possible without throwing themselves under the bus. It's not like there's a bunch of love for Dan Snyder if he's a moron who's like very bad at running this team that should be actually in much better shape than it is. It's in the NFC East, which is constantly like at the very top of NFL ratings, regardless of how any, how good any of these teams are. It's better when the, every NFL owner knows these teams are better. The NFL is better when the NFC East is good. And Washington has continued to let it down a time and time and time again. The Eagles have won a Super Bowl. The Giants have won Super Bowls. The Dallas Cowboys continue to be one of the biggest worldwide teams like just like there's it doesn't matter whether they fucking win or lose their ratings and the amount of money that they make is absolutely insane so the they're let believe me jerry jones would love to see dan snyder go there's no way it's going to happen no i don't think it's good at least not anytime soon i would be incredibly incredibly shocked if something comes of that within you know the next few years even so it's it's annoying you know the I mean, like i said you see how progressive the nba is and Adam Silver listens to the players. He listens to the coaches and says, okay, what can we do to make this better? The NFL, I mean, it's okay. This is what the owners want. This is what we're going to do. So money talks. The NFL does. ratings are just, I mean, they blow everything else out of the water. The NBA benefits by being progressive because they're, they're pandering to a younger audience. They have, they have something to grow. They have something to like strive for. The NFL is at the peak of their powers. Like they're, they're just, when you're too powerful and you're too good and you're making too much money, all you see is the bottom line, and it there it that's very hard to force social change from an organization that sees no upside to it. You know, the Can I also say this: the Bucks removed John Gruden from the Ring of Honor. Like, first of all, good, yeah. <laughs> like that, that's needed. Bye. But Why they're also they're, they're they're also doing it while actively employing a player who has been accused of sexual assault. So right. it just it's just this backwards ass thing where yeah, if you're not part of the team anymore and you do something fucked up, yeah, we'll get rid of you. But if you're helping us win games, good right. luck. Yeah. No, it's a good point and that's like that's the I mean, that has been the cognitive dissonance in the league for a while. It has been like 
we, and I don't, I promise you this isn't a homer take, but we find the Patriots million dollars, first round draft picks, a friend Brady for four games for, uh, for footballs being deflated in the freezing cold. Sure. But all the domestic violence, all the sexual assault, all of it. I mean, I could name players for until the end of time. Deshaun Watson still can technically play football, and he's got 40 fucking pending civil lawsuits against him. There has always been cognitive dissonance when it comes to, like, a lack of definitive proof. Unless there is definitive, we've got a video in front of us, and even then they try to hide that shit. It's crazy. It's, it is exhausting. We talked about this. I don't know if it was in the DMs or not. But we just, like, it's exhausting. I'm tired. I love football and the nfl regularly makes it so fucking hard yeah and like even you know with videos like if ray rice was still rushing for 1600 yards a year when he punched his girlfriend in the face i guarantee he would have been on the team next year well they tried they tried to cover it up they did they did get their best shot you know they did oh it is i mean this will be ongoing and i know that this won't be the last time i talk about it but i appreciate you bouncing some stuff off with me it's not the funnest thing to talk about but I also feel like getting it off our chest is setting us up for a more enjoyable rest of the conversation. So let's get into it. That stuff coming up. We talked a little bit about the Cowboys. This has been a team that's been on my radar this year as like, are they for real, right? So I've been thinking about what are the teams that are good right now in the league that I can really envision making a legitimate run. I mean, we're heading into like the meat of the season now, heading into week six, like we're starting to see what teams actually look like. And some good teams I'm really buying into. And like, whether they have young head coaches or young quarterbacks or, you know, a new and blossoming defense, there's certain things I'm like, I'm, I'm buying into this and other ones I'm still really not sold on. I'm going to throw it to you first and tell you and ask you what, what are the teams that you're feeling are like legit, real contenders, not fake. They're not whatever, but like real actual contenders that you can see a hundred percent being in the Super Bowl in February. In the AFC chargers. Um, I've, they were my baby in the AFC coming into the year. Um, you know, I'm a big Justin Herbert guy, uh, yeah. by the way, whoever let Justin Herbert cut his hair last year should be stoned in public because that was a, I don't know. That was horrible. Like if you've got a a luscious head of lettuce like that, you never trim it. He'll grow it back. Someone will. Oh no. Yeah. It's it's growing back now. Is he married? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, Well, at some point, some, some Instagram girl will get him to grow it back out. Exactly. Like if you have something like, look at me, like I ain't cutting this shit. You kidding me? Yeah. Hell no. It's a a beautiful flow. I try. I try. It's like my one personality trait. Um, But yeah, so Chargers in the AFC, I mean, Herbert's playing fantastic. Uh, the only thing that worries me about them is their run defense. They're last in the NFL yeah. run defense right now. Uh, Nick Chubb just ate them alive. Um, but I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. is making plays. He's showing to be a good draft pick. Derwin James is staying healthy, which is good. Joey Bosa is obviously still there. So, I mean, they've got guys on that side of the ball. Um, but offensively, I mean, where's, where's, where's the weakness? Their offensive line got better. Justin Herbert has time. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, both studs. Austin Eckler's really good. They got really good depth receivers and depth running backs. Uh, it would not, I mean, right now to me, they're the best team in that division. Kansas city doesn't have a defense. So, so Kansas city is a good example of a team. Who's like probably better than they look right now, which is very weird, but their right. that defense is killer. Like it, they cannot win a super bowl with that defense. It's no. not happening. They will get boxed all over again. I don't care who they end up playing against. 
I don't care who it ends up being from the NFC that if they made the, the Super Bowl, they're losing it. That defense will fuck them every time. And I don't understand how it hasn't gotten any better. It's only gotten worse. It's wild to watch because like it is, I mean, Justin Herbert essentially is doing, he's doing Patrick Mahomes. We kind of knew this was going to happen, right? When everybody was losing their minds over Patrick Mahomes and we're like, we've never seen anything like this. We'll never see anything like this again. Is he the GOAT? He'd made like a Super Bowl and a half and we're like, he's in the, go- he's the GOAT. He's a fucking, like people were starting to do the Brady thing. And here we are three years after Patrick Mahomes, you know, makes his real breakout and Justin Herbert's just as good. Justin Herbert's just as good as him. That's it. Like he, he's just as good as him and he's fucking huge. I will say this. I don't think he's as good as Mahomes. I, I still think Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the league. By Justin Herbert says good. He, he, I promise you, by this time in 2024, he's gonna. it's going to be the same exact thing. Oh, I'm, not saying he won't. I'm not saying I don't think he'll get to that level because I think he will. He's fantastic. And I'm not saying that the gap is ginormous. Yeah. But I, I still think Mahomes is still well, the most talented. Well, you always have to guy. give the veteran with a ring and an MVP. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now, I do think Herbert does have the, the ability to get there, and I think he's closing the gap. Um, the thing with Mahomes right now, though, I mean, you touched on the defense, is that I think that he goes out on the field and says, yeah, we need to get in the end zone. Like, we talked to Matt Verderam last night, who, you know, is the main you know, NFL reporter for Fansided, um, and he's a big Chiefs guy. And he, he's the one who said, he made that great point. Like, he's going out there, which is, okay, I need to get in the end zone or we're going to lose, because the defense is bad. Yeah. So I think he's starting to take more chances that he normally wouldn't take. Now, it's not to say that he can't fit balls into tight windows, because we know he can, but it, right now he's taking sometimes unnecessary chances which lead to turnovers and just screw them more in the end so i don't yes he's not playing his best right now which he's still got like 16 touchdowns and six interceptions or whatever the hell he has and he's still playing fantastic but he's trying they're asking him to do too much kansas city's game plan has to be more than we've got mahomes we'll figure it out they've got to do something it worked as long as it did was a miracle yeah right like it was always kind of like this has a time stamp on it and everybody was like well eventually andy Reid's going to be able to make the adjustments right I think Sunday, Sunday that, was the first regular season game that they've lost by more than a score since Mahomes became the starter. Right. And that's, and that, I mean, it's a, it's so such high praise for Mahomes. Um, but also like, again, we never got to see Patrick Mahomes. He inherited Travis Kelsey. He inherited Tyreek Hill. He inherited Andy Reid, right? That's a crazy thing to just come into. Those guys were on the team when he started. Not to mention a pretty good mentor in Alex Smith. Right. Not, not bad. Nobody gets that one year on the bench anymore. It's really good. I, uh, there is, there is a little bit of like, eventually we have to see how a quarterback is with adversity. Every quarterback goes through it. I know he's going to come through it. I have no, like, this isn't making me think less of Mahomes, but it is reminding me that Andy Reed for years in Philadelphia was a flawed head coach. Offensive genius. Yes, absolutely. No questions asked, but he had game management issues. He had a little bit of that. What's going on in the final end back end of the fourth quarter issues. Like there, there was some stuff about is, is, does Andy Reid have it? And like, we're seeing a little bit of his inability to think broader and really roster builds in a, in a meaningful way. I mean, off the offensive line fell apart last year. It happened. Little things happen. I'm not, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm picking on him, but we hear the criticisms of Sean McVay. We hear the criticisms of Bill Belichick. We hear the criticisms of really good coaches all the time, all the time. And they deserve them. Mike Tomlin, 
uh, like how he ha- the player situations, the issues that he's had in that locker room. He's one of the best NFL head coaches and has been since he walked through the door. He gets criticized. We do not hear criticism of Andy Reid, and it's wild to me. I don't know what I know. He's a very lovable guy. I love the Hawaiian shirts, but he's had a hard time building defenses his whole career, and this has been a prevailing problem for the. They won in spite of having crappy defenses. Well, you know, they've built a damn good offense, and I think that that's what they've just kind of wrote on. Like I said, I mean, they've they've said, all right, we've got Christ and cleats, we'll be fine. But right now, a lot of it's Steve Spagnuolo, too, because specifically the game against Baltimore, they just they didn't adjust whatsoever. They just let Lamar Jackson run all over them. Um, In terms of the reads, like there was multiple plays, like the one, the touchdown where Lamar Jackson scored with less than two minutes of whatever the hell it was where he flipped into the end zone. Um, I want to say it was Alex Okafor just completely takes the running back and Lamar's like, Oh, you're just going to give me the end zone. Sure. I'll just, I'll walk in. Like they're just, they don't have a pass rush. They can't really stop anybody. Um, when it comes to, you know, defending players in open space, like they've got talent on that deal. I mean, Tyron Matthews still really good. Now Chris Jones has been hurt. Um, Frank Clark's still good. Like they've got really good guys. It's just kind of sucks, but yeah, that's this he's definitely taking a step back this year. There's no doubt about that. So it's just the middle of the field. They can't defend it. And Dan Sorensen is God awful. And they have him back there starting at safety. So then, I, and look, Charveris Ward's yeah, also been hurt. He's, he's not, been you know, okay. I, so. Spagnolo is, is working with the personnel he's got. It's not great. I, like to his credit, it's not great. Like there's not a lot going on there. And there is no answer for their lack of pass rush. There's not, there's nothing. He's not, there's, he's not scheming for it. He's sort of almost abandoned it. And I I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do know that at some point, you know, you're looking at Patrick Mahomes and thinking, does this turn into an Aaron Rodgers situation? Because you can only give a generationally talented quarterback. So little help on defense for so long. I don't care who the hell is on the other side of the ball. Who's catching the passes? I don't care. It's going to fuck you in the end. Um, moving on, I agree with the Chargers. I think they're real contenders. It is hard to tell about the Brandon Staley. Like, I, like he seems to be pretty fucking perfect in terms of I, new everything he says is gold to me. It's right wild. Now. Like yeah. he, he's true. It's he also. I don't know if you saw, but he did give an amazing response to the um, John Gruden stuff. I was watching um, that right before we went live. It was phenomenal. Yeah, I did too. Okay. Um, just honestly, shout out to millennials. Shout out to millennials <laughs> for fucking understanding the world and being much better people than 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 the generations before them. And to uh, Gen Z, who will be much better than we are. Um, but he seems to be like a legitimately like not not just a good coach in terms of like the on the field stuff and game management and all that stuff. He the, his players are buying all the way in, and this is a thirty eight year old guy. It doesn't always happen. Um, so I'm buying in on him. The The team that I'm buying in, I'll go to the NFC because you went AFC. Um, I'm all in on the Rams. Like, I'm not worried about the Rams whatsoever. Uh, I watched the game they lost to the Cardinals. I was rooting for them to lose. I live with a Cardinals fan. We are very invested in Cardinals football in this household. However, the Rams are fine. The way that they've constructed their defense, the fact that they have the kind of players, like, when you have – Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and these guys, like at some point you're just going to rise above everybody else. And I don't care what the fuck anyone says about Matt Stafford, bad game, good game. He's up, he's down. Oh, everybody told me he was going to be the savior of this offense, blah, blah, blah. He is, 
He is really fucking good, and he's been fucking good since he's been in the league. And if you put him in the playoffs and you give him a chance to use that arm in the playoffs, you're fucked. I love Cooper Cup. This, like they, every single every single position has studs. Every single position on that team has studs. They're built to win now. Sean McVay fucking gets it. He's been through the grind. He's lost a Super Bowl. He's gone through a quarterback controversy all across the board. Like that team is, I, there's nothing to worry about. And I've heard people start to question it because it's a tough division. Do you agree or disagree? No, I love the Rams. Um, I've I've been a Matthew Stafford defender forever. Oh, thank God. So, me too. Yeah, you know, um, and me and Bomani Jones actually got into it last year about it when, you know, we, we were talking numbers and everything that we're looking at Stafford's stats. He's consistently been like in Detroit. He was never like great, except for the one year where, you know, they had three guys that threw for 5,000 yards and he was one of them. But he was always, you know, in that tier that was like really good. He was in Detroit and everybody said, oh, he did it because of Megatron. His numbers got better after Calvin Johnson left. Yeah. So I'm tired of hearing that argument, first of yeah. all. That's, and th- that was always stupid to begin with because like Tom Brady's numbers were really good with Randy Moss. too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he comes to an offense with an offensive genius and Sean McVay and everybody who either, whether it's just fans of other teams in the NFC West or people who just didn't believe in Stafford or saying he's not going to be better than Jared Goff. Well, that crowd's pretty fucking silent right now, aren't they? Yeah. Now, credit to Jared Goff. He hasn't played bad this year. The Lions are just snake bitten. No, I actually but... kind of like the Lions right now. <laughs> not in a, not in, a, I think they're a good way, but they are kind right. of fun. Yeah. They're lovable. Yeah, they're exactly. just a bunch of lovable losers. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, I love Stafford. I love the Rams. Cooper cup might be the most handsome son of a bitch in the NFL. Good Lord. He can have my children. He, you know what? I hope that, I hope he takes you up on that. Cause I do think that you guys would really bash well together. I, I do love Cooper cup. I'm not a big white boy wide receiver fan. Just like they usually, I don't know if I got like traumatized by Wes Welker's like dead behind the eyes look for too long. Wes Welker looks like he would kill you in your sleep. Right. Yeah. And so I'm I think sure, I I'm sure you're a lovely guy if you're watching. Yeah, no, he's a very nice man, um, but very scary. Yeah. I, and so like ever since then, I've been a little it took me a while to warm up to Julian Edelman. So uh, but Team Cooper Cup, like he is <laughs> genuinely Edelman. like we don't I don't know if it's because he's been on the Sean McVay offense or because he had Jared Goff as his quarterback for so long or what what why we don't talk about him more as like one of the most important weapons in the league. But, like, he is one of the most important weapons in the league. He is an incredibly efficient, like, very dynamic slot receiver that we He's just incredible. don't talk about. And, like, I, it, part of it, I just think, is that there, it, it does – it sometimes happens with teams we know are good year in and year out. It's like we forget to talk about the players that make them right. good because we assume that everybody is already talking about it. But, shots, you know what? This is now, uh, like – a. A podcast, a Cooper Cup stand podcast. It's dedicated to just l- raising the profile of Cooper Cup. I live in Los Angeles. This is my destiny. Need to make sure everybody understands how important Cooper Cup is. I've already done it with Aaron Donald for like years, but everybody else has too. So I have to take up the mantle somehow. You know, we talked about cool Cooper Cup and Julian Edelman. Come to think of it, I mean, I kind of look like what would happen if you just combined both of them into one human being. You know, that's actually. I wish. I don't know the the. This won't translate to the listeners, but. You can just give a quick little Google of Jarrett and let me know what you think. But I actually fully agree with that. Yeah. And Julian's gotten a lot better with the lettuce. Like he's really doing well with the hair. So I feel like he's kind of moving in your direction as well, doing more facial hair, doing, and it's really done him well. 
That's good. I'm glad to hear that Julian Ottoman's doing well post-football. <laughs> I just, I track, I gotta stay on top of my guy. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, let's move to the other side of things. The team that's really good right now in the record, you know, who's doing well in their division has, you know, I want to I want to stick with either one one loss teams or no loss teams, which is just the Cardinals. Uh, who do you think is uh, potentially going to drop off from where they're at right now who may not be as good as they look at this point in the season? I mean, to me, like, and again, this is, you know, Matt said this last night on the show, and I think it's a really good point. I think there's about nine or 10 teams that matter this year. And the NFC, Tampa Bay, Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, Los Angeles. AFC, it'll be Kansas City, Buffalo, um, maybe Cleveland, Baltimore. So, like, anybody besides them, like, to me, like, Denver, I no, was big. I was one of the good teams. I, oh, damn it. Yeah. That's hard. I, know. I don't know. To me, if I had to pick one of them, and it's no disrespect to Lamar, but I would probably be Baltimore, just because they play in a damn difficult division. And, look, I know that my reputation on the Bird app is that I'm extremely critical of Lamar Jackson and that I'm biased. Sure. You can make – I'll – whatever you can make the argument that i'm too critical i would listen to the argument that i'm too critical he shut me up this year because his mechanics have gotten so much better he's thrown the ball a lot better and i'm getting he's always him. good at throwing ball jared he's always been good at throwing but <sighs> okay continue continue he's looked a lot better this year and i'm giving him his flowers because he's definitely earned that yeah so but to me like like pittsburgh's getting better cleveland's still gonna i still think cleveland head to toe probably has the best roster in football it's just i don't know how much i trust baker mayfield yeah that's so yeah so it, it would either be cleveland or baltimore but baltimore's got so many injuries like eventually not having marcus peters is going to catch up with them eventually not having their go-to running backs are going to catch up to them lamar can only do so much hollywood brown is extremely inconsistent like he had yep. a good game on monday night but it's not as if he's lighting the world on fire i'm not going to really hold my breath on sammy watkins either so <laughs> I think that Baltimore I mean, Baltimore is good enough to win a playoff game or two. I don't think they're, they're not better than the bills. So no, I, God, no, no so. I mean, I, I would say like, honestly, probably top to bottom, the bills might, in my opinion, are even better than the chargers um, where they're at right now because of Josh Allen's experience and the fact that they're like coaching staff is as experienced as they are. Um, so hell no, like the bills are fucking for real. Like the right. bills are for real contenders to make the Super Bowl. I disagree. I, d- I disagree on principle about the Ravens only because I do think Lamar Jackson is so special. I don't hate that they've won weird close games. I think it's really good for the team and like for, I mean, him and John Harbaugh specifically are two people who like. Almost they clearly have that happens. special bond. Yes. You know, like it's almost like if you win a close crazy ass game, like somehow it propels them further rather than like scaring them in any way, shape or form. Sure. 
they're not scared of shit. Um, I complete, but I, on the, on the other hand, you cannot make up for injuries. And at some point, a lack of talent is going to come back to bite you in the ass. But yes. the realization though, is that like, even considering everything that they've dealt with, considering they played some pretty good teams, pretty close games, Lamar Jackson's playing out of his fucking mind. Like, he's great. just playing out of his fucking mind. He has more rushing yards than 18 other teams combined. Like they, he is just, and he's, as you said, passing better than he ever has. This is, he's, he's better than he was when he was an MVP. And it's so hard for me to imagine that a guy like that is not going to be able to get the help eventually down. I don't know whether they're going to be able to improve health, make some roster moves, make a trade, whatever they need to do. Like if this guy's playing the way he is and you have a coach like John Harbaugh and they have the momentum that they have after each one of these wild wins, I really trust the Ravens to do what they need to do to get him the help that he needs moving forward. Now, does that mean that it's going to necessarily like pan out that they're going to be able that the players are going to be available, that they're going to be able to make something happen. No, to have the injuries hurt them. Yes. But my, in terms of just like a people, I can't imagine not being in real contention at the end of the season, the Ravens are there. The problem is, as you pointed out, there are in a division with the Browns who have so much room for error. They have yeah. so much margin for error. Their team is so fucking stacked. They're so talented. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb as a rushing duo are unstoppable. Baker Mayfield is not going to like light the world on fire, but he's a decent quarterback. I mean, we have seen far worse quarterbacks go to the Super Bowl. That's probably the best thing you could say about Baker Mayfield's play right now is that it's not horrible. Like he was great yeah. until the final two minutes against the Chargers. He's not a good, he's not a good, like he's just not a game-winning quarterback. Like he's a he's efficient in terms of like being able to game manage throughout he is like i mean he's he's athletic got a good arm like there's all the things that you want to see um but like that roster is really set up the question is is like at some point if you if it comes down to it if it came down to lamar jackson making a play or baker mayfield making a play and this is a quarterback driven league my brain can't comprehend baker mayfield somehow make, being able to do that even with the runners that he has. So I'm going to give the Ravens a little bit of credit, but I'm not going to hate on the pick just because your points are valid. It's a difficult division and they are a team that suffered with a lot of injuries. My pick again, I'll go to the NFC. I will do the heavy lifting for you since you apparently won't fucking go to the West coast. Oh shit. What's it like over there in Los Angeles, by the way, it's fall time over here. I'm watching the leaves change. Do you get that in California? I feel like no, you don't. don't shit. It's just fucking 70. It's just 70, bro. It's just 70. To hell with all of that, also, by the way. The, no, it's honestly really annoying. Because right now in the morning, I, t I take a walk every morning. Mm -hmm. And like I get up, I get on a conference call, a production meeting conference call, lay in bed for a while while I'm on that call, get up, go for a walk while I finish the call, and then whatever. So I get up normally, and I'm out for my walk by like 7.15 a.m. At this point of the of the year, it's like 49 to 50 degrees in the morning when I wake up. See, that's awesome. But by the afternoon, it's 73. So it's like the day isn't, there's no like consistency in the weather. So you have to like get up by the end of the walk. I'm sweaty. I get home. I'm kind of cold. It's not warmed up in the house yet. Then by the afternoon, it's like 75 and sunny and the whole thing. It's just, there's like four seasons in one 24 hour period 
it's very frustrating and we never get the cool snow. We don't get, we don't get any autumn. I'll, I'll give you the snow. Like I, I don't like snow. I'll, I'll give you the snow. I, I just like, you know, the, the four month, the four weeks out of the year where I get to see the leaves change and it's like 60 degrees in PA and yeah, then it just goes crazy. to shit. Yeah. It's it crazy. is like, anyway, that's the update on LA. It's, it's 70 as always. <laughs> um, my, the team I'm not buying in on is fully, obviously we're talking about really good teams that we know are good. Right. I, will believe the fucking Dallas Cowboys when I fucking see it. I don't care. They could have they could have gone 17 and 0 this season, outscoring every fucking team by 30 points and I would not believe the Dallas Cowboys could win the Super Bowl until Dak is holding the fucking Lombardi. I will never believe it. I have seen this too many times. Having said that, the way that they're managing Tony Pollard and Zeke in that run game is perfect. Everything Dak needs to succeed with like as talented and poised as he is, as 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 accurate and capable as he is, without he doesn't turn the ball over. He's so fucking smart. He needs the run game just like any good quarterback needs the run game, and they're managing it perfectly. They're able to get Zeke in his spots finally. They're not overusing him. Tony Pollard takes a lot of the like the heavy lifting off of Zeke so he can do what he does best. The defense is playing out of their minds. They are they, they are like kind of head and shoulders above what I've really ever seen from this defense in the Dak Prescott era or really like, I mean, since that one Tony Romo team like years ago, uh, I don't know what year it was. There was where they won like one playoff game. Um, they, their defense just hasn't been this good. And I was worried about the way the offensive line was going to look because these guys are getting older and this line has been good for so long. How long can it last? But they've been playing really well. I'm buying in on all of it. Then I look to the sideline and I see Mike waste all your fucking timeouts and mishandle the entire end of the fourth quarter McCarthy. And I can't, I cannot believe it until I see it, Jarrett. I know that this is a very flimsy argument, but it's been in 26 years since they won fucking anything. And I've heard about this talented roster and how good they are for so fucking long. And I don't, I, I, I refuse. This is the same thing as I said about the Bills and the Browns. I will believe that they have overcome their curses when I fucking see it. I finally believe it with the Bills. I'm not there with the Cowboys. No, I mean, it's understandable. Like, coaching's a ginormous part of this. Like, if I'm looking across the sideline, like, do I want Sean McVay or do I want Mike McCarthy? I'm going to take Sean McVay. Honestly, and- I want I want the inanimate stuffed animals on my bed before I want Mike <laughs> McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is candidate for the most likely to blow it for the most talented roster. And, look, I love Dak. He's fantastic. Um, defense is playing really well. Trayvon, get off my digs, is just tearing it up right now. Um, but, look. The Cowboys have a horrible ten, like tendency of hiring kiss ass yes men that they that they know that they can control. They did it with Wade Phillips. They did it with Jason Garrett. They're doing it now with Mike McCarthy. The only two guys that they brought in that fought back, Jimmy Johnson and Bill Bill Parcells, they forced out. Yeah. Because they they knew that they weren't gonna like just be their little yes men. So mm-hmm. that's the problem with Dallas is that the Jones family isn't gonna hire somebody like that again because they want the majority control they want the majority credit when things are going well like mike mccarthy like i think the game's just passed mike mccarthy but like no kellen moore is a fantastic offensive coordinator yeah he's pretty good but in terms of like mike mccarthy as a whole nobody's looking across the sideline and saying oh damn it how are we going to stop the brilliant mind of mike mccarthy no one's saying that i'm gonna take i'll I'll take pete carroll i'll take sean mcveigh 
I'll take, I'll still take Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. There's, I would take Cliff, coach with a K, Kingsbury at this point over Mike McCarthy purely because he doesn't have the like, 10 years of trauma of fucking shit up for Aaron Rodgers. That I was having a solid year. Yeah, he's fine. He's like, whatever. Like, I still don't even know if he's a real coach or not. We'll find out. I still, I, I sometimes think he's, he's a, like one of those CGI, like almost like they took, you know, they have that, that new camera now that makes the field look like it's like Madden. It's just like ultra 4k. Mm -hmm. I think Cliff Kingsbury is just a character in that video game that they placed on the sidelines. If if Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan formed a boy band, what would the name of it be? I have to be honest, the idea of Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, the idea of Kyle Shanahan doing anything fun is impossible to imagine. You just really don't like Kyle Shanahan. I think he is the, like, I must have some sort of PTSD from some dude that acted like him. Because there's like, He's the exact personality type of somebody who's like crazy. He's that, he's that frat boy in college who always has like a better story than you. Yeah, and he's just like, he's got, well, he's got a punchable face, which is not his fault. It's not his fault. His I'm face sure. is not his fault. That's rude of me. To I'm say. humongous on 49ers Twitter too. So if they watch this, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to be public enemy number one, he, I think. He, yeah, he has blown a couple Super Bowls. So yeah, that's okay, fair. Whatever. And he's a classic, you're better off as a coordinator, dude. Like he doesn't have the best sound bites. He's not the, like he's not a great like roster manager. We're seeing the flaws in some of the stuff he's doing this year. Like he needs to move off the fullback. And there's like these little things where I'm like, you're too smart for this, but you're you're doing more than you should be doing. Like stick with what you're good at, which is like being a really creative, forward-thinking, offensive mind. There, I think that everybody saw Kyle Shanahan and saw how smart he was and how successful he was in terms of like his play calling and his play design and everything else. And we're like, he's a Shanahan. Of course he should be a fucking head coach. This guy's right. a genius, you know? And it's like, well, I mean, he didn't show you that much more than any other offensive coordinator has ever, like anybody, any excess successful offensive coordinator needs to have the other stuff. And we do this a lot of times. It's just like, it's not just about their ability to play call, play design and like, and get their players in good positions. Like it's beyond that. And he just doesn't have it for me. So I, I hate on him a little bit. Um, I think especially when you compare him to the other coaches like Sean McVay, I think it's a side effect of being raised by another like very famous NFL head coach, probably, which is why I'm rooting against Steve Belichick succeeding. Don't think Steve Belichick looks like he would kill you. Have you ever heard him talk? Sounds just like his dad, doesn't he? It's wild. Yeah, it's it's absolutely absurd. I can't do this for another 20 years with that voice. It's like, it'll be too much if ever consider there's a potential that rich people are cloning themselves this is an indication that it's happening it's very bizarre you know that uh that superlative thing that fallon does on his show where are you have you ever watched yes. those yeah, yeah i think steve belichick would be like voted most likely to be like the headline in a in a in a, uh, a headline that says florida man does blank and for oh, yeah. steve belichick's face yeah no it's it, but also like he has that deadpan weird voice too like he's not like wacky enough the whole his whole vibe is insane. The mullet, I, the, it's all what it's very bizarre. I also need him to maybe lay off the Patriots play calling for a minute. Um, speaking of which, shall we? Before we go, let's both acknowledge both our teams are not in a great spot right now. Yeah, you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> I'm a Patriots fan. We also both cover sports, so we are not the most. We're able to criticize the teams. I'm not banging the table saying that Ben Roethlisberger is still a top five quarterback. Okay, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not standing here. I wasn't, you know, one of those people who was like, Mac Jones completed three passes in a row. He's basically Tom Brady. <laughs> so yeah. we are basically in the same spot where probably fans of your team get mad at you frequently for not being into it enough. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go over things. Big Ben is fucking toast. Like he, I know you probably aren't willing to go right there, like right this second. And I will say, I looked at his numbers. I've compared, I looked at a little tiny bit of like highlights and stuff from the last game. He is still a dude who clearly used to be good at football. It's like, it's like when you watch someone play like pickup basketball, that's like 55, but you can clearly tell that he used to play in the NBA. Like you're like, Oh dude, I see it. I see the fucking ghost of what you used to be. Like, this is not me trying to disrespect Ben Roethlisberger, but, like, yeah, there's do you see any chance in hell this team's able to get themselves together enough to make a real playoff run? And by real playoff run, I mean make the playoffs and win a game in the playoffs. I don't think they'll win a game in the playoffs, but I think that they're capable. I mean, their defense is good enough to get them to a six or seven seed. Um, now, against Denver, like, the game against Denver, to me, is what Pittsburgh came into the year wanting to be able to do week in, week out. And that's have Ben throw it 25 times, run for 100 yards, defense play well, win game. That's what they're that's what they came into the year one in their only formula. Only do that against specific teams, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like when they ask that now the Steelers are a team that is built to play with a lead. They're not built to come from behind because Ben doesn't have the arm that he used to and you can't ask a 39 going on 40-year-old quarterback who had his elbow reconstructed to throw 50 times in a game. You just can't do it. Right. And you know, uh, the thing with Ben right now, too, if you look at his passing charts over this season, dating back to last year, they just really don't test deep middle of the field because Ben just doesn't really have the arm to do it anymore. And whether they want to admit that or Ben doesn't want to admit that, that's fine. Like, don't, I love Ben Roethlisberger. From the time I was in kindergarten till now. Hey, he, he The cold take. From the time I was in kindergarten until now, he has been the court. He's been the quarterback of my life. There's never been another he's starting been the quarterback. quarterback since you were in kindergarten. Yeah. What? You are a baby. I'm 22. Oh my god, that is so young. I can't believe you were that young. You look older. I don't know if that's a. Good I get that a lot. Yeah, no. I mean, I take it as a compliment. Okay, good. So you act older. Thank you. It's, you're mature. It's a good. Thank you. Thing. Yes. I appreciate that, but. So obviously I have a deep love for Ben Roethlisberger and, I've, and it pains me in a way to like have to come out and say, yeah, Ben just doesn't have it anymore. Now, like I said, he looked much better this past week against Denver. He looked efficient. He looked comfortable. He was making the throws he needed to do. He didn't make any mistakes in terms of throwing right. the ball. That's what they want to do. Like that's why the Steelers need to start off fast because if they play with a lead, they're chilling because that defense is good enough to hold teams and Steelers offense is, inconsistent but it's good enough to keep getting a decent amount of points up on the board like if they get 24 points in game i feel comfortable that they can win it because their defense is just that good yeah. now defensively they've had some lapses too like they're missing a few guys like letting steven nelson go not being able to re-sign mike hilton they miss them a lot mm -hmm. um but they're still among i would say the top five to seven defenses when they're completely healthy and really in sync so their defense is good enough to get them to like a six or seven seed. I don't think they're beating anybody, but like, they're not going to beat Buffalo. I'm they're not to be like, I'm trying to get six or seven. I'm trying to get to like, I mean, you, you, you get well, the here. I'll, to me, the playoff picture, I think, I think Buffalo is going to be the one. I think Cleveland will be the two. And then, you know, the AFC, what is it? The, I think the chargers are going to win that division. I think they will be the three. And then either 
Indianapolis or Tennessee will be the four. The other one is it going to make the playoffs. KC will be the five. I think Baltimore will likely be the six. You yeah. could probably flip flop Baltimore and Kansas City yeah. if you wanted to. But after them, like who is Baltimore or is Miami going to make a playoff push? Well, probably the Raiders not. Raiders are fucked. Like I exactly. Yeah, I don't see the Raiders the rebounding. The Broncos say, aren't going to be like, anything. I liked how Derek Carr looked for a minute and yeah. how they were playing, and there was like definitely wild card potential there. But I think that the the only team that would t- that would keep the Steelers out of the playoffs would be the would be the Raiders because the rest of the AFC after those top six teams isn't really anything. Like I don't believe in Denver. I don't believe in Miami putting on some sort of. Here's flip. a here's a here's a sad reality. The Patriots and the Steelers are basically on a a collision course to fight it out for that seat because I've looked at the Patriots division their their schedule. And if they beat the Cowboys this week at home, which is is essentially going to decide their season, sure. there's no you have to win a game at home. So the Patriots currently you cannot lose this game. You cannot continue to lose at home. If they win this game, and they're and then they win the week after, they're playing some easy team. I can't forget what I can't remember what it is. They'll be here. Um, I'll actually pull up their schedule while you're talking. They're ha- they'll have a winning record. They have three difficult games after that. Um, and then there's like, there is room for them to get to what? Like, what is the new nine and seven? I can't do that. It'd be like, like nine and eight. Nine and eight. Yeah. So they have a, there's a world in which they get to nine and eight. And there's definitely a world where the Steelers get to nine and eight. And I've so, got the Patriots schedule in front of me if you want me to run through it. Yeah, run, run through it. Okay. So they've got. Dallas this week, I don't think they're beating Dallas. I really don't. I, dude, the only, only, I'll give you my only argument. I agree. My only argument is home coaching against Mike McCarthy. It's my, yeah, those I, are, that's very fair. They also have a make. very good defense. They do. They really do. Okay, so, so that's my argument. I'm not saying it's a win for sure, but there's a chance sure. they win again. So, all right. So after Dallas, they host the Jets. That should be another win. Yeah. Um, then they go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Mm-mm. So, yeah. That's a hard one. You're going to chalk this one up as a win, I'm sure. I think it's a 50-50 one. They go to Carolina. I like Carolina but, a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a win. I definitely think it's – I would so, totally say 50-50. Like, Carolina is very up and down. Like, I could see Dan, Sam Darnold having a tough time if, mm-hmm. if Belichick schemes for him correctly. Um, but there is definitely a, a potential loss there. Yeah, Carolina's defense is really good. After Carolina, they host the Browns. Mm-hmm. Again, not a ton of hope there. They're like – Run defense is going to have to get a little bit better, but okay. So here, let's keep track. I mean, the Jets are going to be a win. Yeah, Cowboys are kind of fifty. I'm, I'm I'll say sixty forty Cowboys, but like it's, a there's win. a chance. Let's let's just say they win that game because I because I've Maybe already Dallas. Said the old, yeah because the only way I think their season survives is if they win against Dallas. Okay. So let's just for the for this purposes, let's say they win. Okay, so they beat Dallas and the Jets. That gets into what four and three. Mm-hmm. All right, so Chargers four and four. Carolina, I mean. That's a hard game to me. Yeah. So we'll keep it. We'll just say four and four for now with a remainder of one. I think okay. they lose to Cleveland. That's yeah. four and five. After that, at Atlanta, that should be a win. They'll win. So five and five there. They host Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't impress me. I think they beat Tennessee. I think they'll beat Tennessee as well. They're sick of Tennessee. So that's six wins. They go to Buffalo. I don't think they're beating Buffalo in Buffalo. Not in Buffalo, no. So six and six. They go to Indy. I think they should beat the Colts. Like, depends I, on how healthy the Colts are, right? But like, you if we're talking about like best case scenario this team is actually making a playoff push we have to give them a win over the colts yeah and don't get wrong i love carson Wentz and i love the colts defense i think they're a lot better than what their record shows so yeah Uh, so we'll say that's around seven wins then they host buffalo i don't think they're going to beat buffalo i still don't think they're beating buffalo either yeah yeah and then they play jacksonville that should be a win so that's around eight wins and then they 
that go to Miami week 18. Right. So, I mean, assuming there's definitely out of between the eight and 10 wins is reasonable so for to them. Me, I feel like a nine and eight season is very reasonable. For sure. this, right. And it's, and I'm, I'm going to venture to say that getting to nine and eight is going to be only slightly harder for the Steelers because of their division. But again, the division plays each other really well. I could see the yeah. Steelers beating the Browns or the Ravens purely for no good reason other than that's what they do. Um, cause that's I can, just- I can run through theirs too, because it, it yeah. very well could come down to two. So, They'll play Seattle this week. That should be a win. So that'll get them to 500. You think they're going to beat Seattle? Against Geno Smith and that horrible oh, defense? Yes. I forgot, oh, I forgot about Russ. Okay. So they, they should beat Seattle. So that'll get them to 500. Then they have a bye. They go to Cleveland. I don't think they're winning in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, so three and four. Then they host the Bears on Monday Night Football. Uh, the Bears are bad, and the Steelers are really good on Monday Night Football for whatever reason. So yeah, and the, I mean this. So the Bears are better than people realize. However, you're still talking about a rookie quarterback against the Steelers defense, so I'm never going to argue that. Yeah, so that'll get them back to four and four. Then they play the Lions at home. That should be five and four. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. That'll be five oh. and five. Yeah. Then they go to Cincinnati. The Bengals have already beaten them once this year. That that's a toss up to me. I don't think they're losing to Cincinnati twice. Yeah. However. Well, then you have to give it to one of your division games. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Sure. So I think they'll be six and five at you know after they beat Cincinnati. Fair. Uh, they'll split it with Baltimore. I th- I think they'll really split with Baltimore. I really do. You think? But where do they play? The next game is in Baltimore. The next, the first game that they play is in Pittsburgh. Is that this one? That's the first one. Yeah. Okay. You think they can like for four quarters defend Lamar Jackson? They've done it before. Here's the, the thing about Lamar Jackson. Thing about Lamar Jackson against Pittsburgh, like. He has, in his two games that he's played against the Steelers, he's got seven turnovers. So they've defended him extremely well. That's fair. Yeah, it's the division thing where you start to know each other a little too well and it yeah. evens things out. But historically, like in the Ben Roethlisberger era, whenever Baltimore does beat Pittsburgh, it tends to be in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to give the Ravens that win in Pittsburgh. Okay. And then so, maybe the, the win in Baltimore. Okay. Sure. So six and six right now. Then they go to Minnesota. I think they should beat Minnesota. Like I love Kirk Cousins, but that defense is bad. The problem is the problem with with Minnesota is they win the weirdest fucking games. Yeah, let's exactly. Just, let's just say, yeah, like there's a chance they win that game. There's just equally a good chance they can lose it for no sure. reason. Yeah. Then they host the Titans. Like the if they shut down, if they relatively shut down Derrick Henry, like if they hold him to like 95 yards, they'll win. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's a very efficient. I like Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, they're they're. I don't know how the Steelers have done secondary wise. Like Ryan Tannehill will can sometimes sometimes like rip up a really bad secondary. I have yeah. no idea where this. The Steelers like by and large have a very good defense, but I always I always no matter whether I'm like regardless of whether I'm paying attention or not, their front seven is always where I feel like they're best. Um, in terms of like they're not elite, but they're not horrible. I think they're just kind of a middle of the pack secondary right, right now. Let's, let's give them the Titans win. Okay. And then they go to Arrowhead the day after Christmas. They're losing that game. Yeah, yeah. And they host Cleveland, I think. No. Did, did they lose to Cleveland twice? No. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That's it's happening. If you're going to give them a, a win over the Ravens and a win, and splitting with the Bengals, you're losing the Browns twice. Okay, fair. And then they go to Baltimore and Ben Roethlisberger's final game on the road in Baltimore where, he gives, them, where he gives them a final middle finger. And apparently they win that game. And apparently right? they win that So, I mean, it's kind of the same boat where they it's could finish it's, between They eight literally and nine both months. land at either 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, which is like, again, these are best case scenario situations because we've, yeah. we've given both the Patriots and the Steelers a couple of potential swing games with like that Vikings game, with the Panthers game. Like there's a couple of swing games there where it's like 100%. There's also like, hey, 
do the Steelers accidentally beat the Browns once? Do the Patriots accidentally beat the Bills once? Like these are things you can't completely rule out. If so, the Steelers are going to beat the Browns, it will be in week 17 because that's Ben Roethlisberger's final home regular season game at Heinz Field. The um, like the emotion in that game. That? Does he know it's his final? Ben knows. Come on. Does he? It's gotta be. Like Ooh. if it's I if it's not his last year, I promise it's his last as a Steeler. They're not yeah. bringing him back next year. No. I think he's retiring. No after one's this hiring year, so. Ben Roethlisberger at this point. No. Like, so yeah. it's for all intents and purposes, it's his final home game. So, and then, you know, they go ending the season against the Browns at home. It would be so poetic to me if like they're just fighting to get into the playoffs and it's just one last fuck you Cleveland to the team that could have and should have drafted him. He just I don't think that's time. going to happen, but you could get lucky. This is where the Steelers could have the edge over the Patriots. Although the Patriots play the bad Dolphins too is like yeah. that last game there the Dolphins may end up wanting to play spoiler to the Patriots if they've done before they've fucked the Patriots yeah the, the Dolphins like historically for some reason play the yeah. Patriots well. well and they also they the they've literally screwed them in the seat, seating before in that Ryan Fitzpatrick game. game right so they're in a worse spot that Cleveland hopefully has something locked up by then so oh, yeah chance you're playing against the like you know the who the hell is the Browns backup version of the Browns which is huge right who who is the Browns backup I honestly I don't think I could tell you that to save my life right no, now that's so weird I don't think they have one I think it's just um <laughs> they just assume Baker will never get hurt he's on all those commercials they're like we can't lose him now <laughs> <laughs> they just don't have one yeah they'll throw in They'll throw in Jamie Gill, the punter. The one thing that I do think at, that we have figured out at this point mm-hmm. is that this is somehow going to come down to the Patriots and the Steelers fighting for the final seed in the, in the wild card. It's just the fact that the rest of the AFC isn't good. So I think that's why it'll come down the to those two. The AFC is either really good or really bad. And the only There's not a lot of media, like middle. middle are yeah. the, the Steelers at this point. And I don't fully believe in Mac Jones. Not because I think he's bad, but because he's a rookie, and I just don't trust rookie quarterbacks whatsoever. I think and his deep ball is about three feet. Please don't get me started. But like, <laughs> I don't. There's no chance he even wins a playoff game. Like, if they make it, he's losing the playoff game. There's no question that ass. And it's like, no matter how good the Patriots' defense is, unless they are the best defense in the league, which they are not, you're not making it further than like just playing in a game with. Wouldn't it be some shit? Not for New England, but for Cleveland. If the Patriots get the seventh seed and they go into Cleveland and beat them wild card weekend. Yeah. I mean, I don't know with what run defense they would do that. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be some shit for Cleveland though. Cause they've like Baker's got, they're going to have to decide, okay, we're going to let you ride out this fifth year option. Or are we going to mm-hmm. extend you? Well, you just lost a Mac Jones. So yeah, we're going to let you ride out this fifth year option. Go, uh, you, you should probably beat Mac Jones and the Patriots at home. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I did all the number crunching and rookie quarterbacks don't make it to the playoffs. When they do make it to the playoffs, they make it with a top three defense. It's just not, it's the Patriots defense isn't there yet. Um, They're very good. The Patriots defense is very good. I'm very, I'm very proud of what they've done, but they are not like the, they are not the Mark Sanchez Jets defense. They're not the Andy Bengals defense. They're not the Ben Roethlisberger Steelers defense from his rookie year. Like it's, they're not that level. They're just really good. And they would have to elevate to another level. And uh, that my only belief that there was a chance they could do that was with Stefan Gilmore and they do not have him anymore. So honestly, we'll see how it plays out by week 18, but 
I have a feeling we may end up having to have a reunion podcast of this moment right before they battle it out for the last spot in the playoffs, which would be cool. I think for both of us, either of our teams making the playoffs in this particular season, considering the adversity that they're facing, would be fun. So, like, it's nice to imagine that that there's a chance for that to happen. It's yeah. very, it's very nice for me to think that we could end up having this nice little debate pod right before week 18 to settle the score. Yeah. I mean, obviously as a Steeler fan, I want, you know, Ben to have one last run at it. Um, Here, I'll actually say this too. Um, So after the season is done, I've already made up my mind about this. I'm going to do a piece. It's just going to be like my love letter, like thanking Ben Roethlisberger. It's going to be called Dear Seven. So I'm excited about it. (laughs) I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say yet. I'm going to be sad during it. I'm going to cry a little bit. I'm only cutting you slack because being a child, like not really remembering like life before Ben Roethlisberger puts you in a very difficult spot. I completely understand that. Like I understand Tom Brady was around for a very long time. My like entire formative years, my adult, my entire adult life. Like it was a very long time. And I understand with that, but otherwise my intuition would be to make fun of you. So that's fine. That's fine. However, I don't, I don't get joy out of it. I get joy out of out of understanding that it's an emotional time for you. It's a real moment. Oh, I'm gonna I'm it. gonna sob like a child during his retirement yeah. press conference. Yeah, and that's, if I, you know, I'm gonna that's try fine. to hold. If I'm there, I'm gonna try to hold it together because I don't want anybody in the media laughing at me. But you're not. It's, going, it's you're gonna. There's gonna be a tear coming out of the sunglasses. I'm glasses. gonna run run to the nearest bathroom at Heinz Field and try to. You know, that's let how it the all Hall of Fame goes. You always have the you have the sunglasses on and they get the tear. You know, you can do Maybe that. That's what I'll do. It's gonna yeah. be in. It's gonna be indoors, and I'm gonna be the only one in sunglasses <laughs> with a wet face. Honestly, I get it. I don't. I think it's I, I, it's better off. You're better off. It's time for him to go. Uh, if it makes you feel any better i have a conspiracy theory that aaron Rodgers makes himself somehow on the tanya 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 i've been it started out as a joke but i will i will send you tweets from april where i'm saying aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the steelers in 2022 i believe in it now but like back then it was just like oh hi yeah aaron Rodgers. but now i'm like oh fuck yeah aaron Rodgers. dude i I still i still have a fantasy that we somehow trade mac jones for russell wilson so I'm right there with you. Apparently, dude. There, there's there's murmurs that he's going to be available, but that's every year with Russell Wilson. So yeah. like, I'm I'll believe that's I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, I don't know. I just like depending on how things go with Mac Jones. I'm like, is Belichick crazy enough to like spend the last five years of his entire coaching career dealing with like Mac Jones who can't throw the ball downfield yeah. when he could potentially package him and like send him to the Seahawks where he can have a nice little fresh start and get Russell. Wouldn't that be one nice, nice little last bullet in the chamber for Bill? Just like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Like, I mean, he just, this is too boring for Bill. Like, I'm sorry. Oh my God. Yes. I can't really, I can't really put my. Tanya, I do. I do a weekly Patriots piece and it is like, I, I love covering the league. I love writing about the league. It is by far the most boring piece I do because they are such a goddamn boring team to write about. Dude, there's, no, they're not. There's the nothing offense, exciting about them. The offense, the defense is great. Special teams, fine. They got big kick, Nick. Like, I'm fine with the rest of the team. It's the most <laughs> boring, vanilla. It's it's a combination of Josh McDaniels being just an uncreative, truly overrated play caller. And Their dude, offense is like the definition of white bread. It's, it's white bread. And then Matt, poor Mac Jones, as a rookie with an arm that's not great, 
a statue in the pocket for the most part. Like it's just the combination is just it's really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch Mac Jones get truly fully outplayed by Davis Mills on Sunday. The fact that they won the game was really nice. Like I'm glad that they won the game, but like Davis Me too. Mills, I had him in a teaser top, and I thought they were gonna fuck me. Top to bottom. He got outplayed like handily by by young Davis. When I when I saw that flea flicker that put them up twenty two to nine, I started live betting on games because it's like, okay, well this teaser's done, I guess. So and then they came back. Josh McDaniels. It's always the flea flicker. Once you see the flea flicker come out, you know, whatever. We're gonna move on from that. I don't think I think I would like the Patriots a little bit more if I didn't hate their uniforms so much. Really? I don't love their uniforms, but like they don't I wish we would I wish most teams would go back to old uniforms. If they went back to like the uh the 80s ones with like the uh what was what the fuck's that guy's name patriot pete or whatever the f- yeah. yeah pat yeah that's what it is yeah. yeah if they went back to that would love them would absolutely the adore that bright blue that like um that the blood so years yeah i like those yeah yeah the the weird i think all uniforms are better when they're like a little bit more old school but i more agree I don't like the patriots new uniforms like i don't hate them they the don't patriots like the texans have the same uniform they what the Patriots and the Texans have the exact same like uniform concept. Yeah, it's I don't fucking like fucking atrocious. I agree that it kind of sucks, but I wouldn't atrocious isn't the right word. I just think it's boring and like it's not like Sea Hawks lime green. Like it doesn't like offend my eyes, but like yeah. I see what you're saying. I agree I just, it's not their best look. It could be worse. They could have like the uh the ombre stuff that the that the Falcons have going on with the Or the weird numbers. Who's the one with the uh, the Titans shitty fucking numbers? Yeah, I'm not the a fan numbers, of the Titans. The Titans numbers have been driving me nuts for like a decade and they won't <laughs> stop. And I don't know why they're doing this. It seems like a long con to drive us all insane. I don't know why it's happening. Like those weird blocky numbers. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Why? And every number looks weird. I always think someone something 71 when it's supposed to be 11 or something. <laughs> I love getting riled up about uniform concepts. I wish the Browns would go back to like the gray face mask. Like the throwbacks that they had with like the numbers and the gray face mask. Just keep those. Those rule. I forgot about those. I will say, I like, against my better judgment, I like the Jets all greens. I fuck with the Jets uniforms. Yeah, I like the Jets all greens. It makes up, I mean, the Jets uniforms are much better than the team actually is. Like, they guess they do deserve to have, like, nice, clean, cool uniforms, considering they're playing for the garbage organization they play for. But, like, they are, like, every time we play them, like, they look good. They do. Yeah. The Lions, I like the Lions, you touched on the Lions earlier, I fucking love the Lions uniforms. Oh, yeah. The all grays are great. They're classic. And the Lions themselves are really like, kind. like we talked about, they're kind of, they're kind of that team that like you watch every week and you're like, come on guys. No, I I root my ass off for the Lions. Like they're that like one high school team that gets beat by 90 every week. You just want to see them win. I really thought they were going to do it this week. And really, and then Dan Campbell crying. Like this whole thing is. They're two giant, like they're Jesus Christ as a kicker. Mm-hmm. away from winning the game against Baltimore and obviously the whole thing with Minnesota that just yeah. happened like it's oh, that's another that's another fucking problem Justin Tucker's a problem Justin Tucker's a problem personally that's what that's another reason why I think Baltimore's gonna drop out because if Clyde Edwards Alaire doesn't fumble and if well if, if they call delay a game Baltimore loses and Baltimore to me is like like good for them. Like obviously you know, the whole John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson. Hey, do you want to go for it? That was a cool moment. They shouldn't have won that game. They shouldn't have beat Detroit. 
Yeah, but they but did. That's how, that's how football works. Like it's, I know. It's more and more down to kicking. Like it's like these games are like all close. Like games are weirdly close this year. There's a lot of weird kicking results. Like I mean, the Packers shouldn't be good either, and they keep winning by weird field goals. And way worse than Justin Tucker. At least Justin Tucker kicks cool ass field goals. Mason Crosby takes like four different. The end of that game was my favorite thing ever. It was wild. It Evan was- McPherson celebrating after he missed a field goal. Yeah. <laughs> was- I- the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. Yo, I I mean, I'm glad we did this because now I'm feeling a little bit better about how much I liked football because we started the podcast with how much I hate the NFL sometimes. But yeah. now I'm back to loving it and it's making me so happy. We, um, I'm going to- I think have- it's also, it's important to remember that there are a lot of great human beings in the league too, yeah. specifically in terms of players. So- I, mean, I think we know that though, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, the thing is, that's, the league- is- It doesn't get as much attention as it should. It, we focus on the negatives more than we do the positives. I don't I don't think we do. I just think that the negatives are just so fucking dark that like it's hard. That's a better way of putting but, it. Yeah. But like NFL brings us a lot of joy. It brings us together. It's going to bring us together likely in week 18 when we have to battle our teams out in the seating to see who makes the playoffs. I'm excited to see how that goes. I'm sorry that you're losing your childhood love, Ben Roethlisberger, at the end of this <laughs> year. But honestly, it's the best thing that could happen for you. I really yeah, can we, Isn't that insane, though? Like, he's been the quarterback since I was, like, five. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's that. But, like, Im- imagine people your age who are Patriots fans. This was the like, yeah. quarterback since he was born, and then he fucking leaves? Yeah, Tom Bro, Brady. You, you have a bad? Just shit. What year was Brady drafted? 99? Brady was drafted in 2000. 2000? So yeah, I would have been, I would have been turning two the year that he was Mm -hmm. drafted. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I understand where you're coming from. The difference is my team won six rings. I'm content with the two that the Steelers won. (laughs) They should have had three. But they only got the two. That's okay. You know, it happens. You were only like 11 months old when they won their last one. So how the whole, I was in first grade when they won Super Bowl 40. I was in fourth grade when they won 43. Oh, that's a good one. That's at least fourth grade you can like actually remember. Yeah. I remember the fourth grade one, but yeah, the the fourth grade one was uh that's yeah, a bad that was, yeah. was good that's time. A, yeah. And that's the Mike Tomlin one, better one anyway. Hey, I, we stand Bill Cower here. Yeah, yeah, we stand we stand him, but Mike Tomlin, I mean like I love Mike Tomlin, I, yeah. I'm much more of a Mike Tomlin fan. Like Bill Cower's fine, like I don't fucking know. I, to, to his credit, <laughs> he kind of just lays low. So that's fine by Bill. me. Bill Cower's a good dude. Mike Tomlin's I, I just love Mike Tomlin press conferences because he always gives us something hilarious. I actually really, I really like Mike Tomlin and I like the fact that he has a good personality and like he's sort of like intense and dry and like his delivery is all that stuff. But he's also like legitimately a really good fucking head coach. Yeah. And I remember yeah. what it was. I remember what it was. Okay. I'm sorry. No, okay. go for it. So they were talking about the run game and uh, trying to like, understand that like he wants Najee to eat but that he has to understand that sometimes it's just going to be a snack not a banquet fucking loved it oh i love mike tomlin that's so one of much those, you know that's one of those things that like his grandma used to say you know like it's just like it just stuck <laughs> in his head and he was like uh this is the perfect moment yeah no he's great he's great i talk uh, about how long bill cower was with the steelers but next year mike tomlin will equal the amount of time that bill cower was there and that's insane the Steelers to me. only had like three coaches Three coaches since 1969. Yeah, they just don't have other coaches. They're just like, this is my coach. There's been more popes since 1969 than Steelers head coaches. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, I know. Well, unfortunately, we do have to wrap up this wonderful podcast with you, Jarrett. There's no one else I'd rather spend an hour and a half talking football with. This was really fun. I appreciate you getting like into it with me, doing real football stuff, having fun. It's not as easy as it looks, folks, like to make the transition from 
extremely difficult conversations into having fun with a guest, it's not easy. Like it's just, I've been doing sports media for a while, a lot longer than Jarrett has. And I can tell you that I don't have people on to talk sports with me. They don't respect and I don't feel like I can have fun with. So I appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. Like it really does make my life so much easier when I have a guest that I know can hold their own in these conversations, can bring something to the table. Your knowledge of football just really, it really helps advance the conversations that we have on here. So thank you for coming on. Well, you know how much I respect you and how much I enjoy talking to you. Um, And, you know, in terms of, you know, not to get too far back into the conversation we started off with, but you know how big of a proponent of women in sports that I am and how much I try to push that. Um, and you are by far one of my favorite and I love talking to you. So anytime that you want to talk, you know, I will gladly hop on and talk to you because you rock. And I hope you know that. So keep kicking oh, ass. Keep... Good. I'm glad that you do. So keep kicking ass, keep doing what you do. And, uh, I'm glad that I have a, uh, a professional friend like you where I can, uh, can do this with. So I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. I feel the same way. And I really appreciate that. And I uh, technically, I owe you a podcast now. You do. Like, you know, some sort, some sort of <clears throat> lives talking sports experience. So we'll trade off and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the guest the next time. We're going to keep turning out content. We're going to find ways to get back on the mic with each other. Um, and hopefully like we won't always have to open up podcasts with heavy things and we can just get into like the fun stuff too. So I appreciate that. Um, we're going to log off here and then keep talking about how you're going to send me this because yeah, exactly. you're helping me to post my own podcast again, elite podcast guest behavior. So <laughs> for now I'm going to log off. Thank you all for listening. This was a good one. A nice long regular ass football chat, something I haven't done in a while. So thank you for sticking it out with us. I will talk to you next week, hopefully with some uh, better news than we had to deal with at the top of this podcast. But we thank you for sticking around and having the hard conversations with me. You guys know that like that is a really important part of what what I do on my podcast is having these difficult conversations. So don't shy away from talking to me about it. I want to have discourse. I want to hear what you have to say. Remember to follow me at ShamelessTRF, at Tiny Ray Fox on Twitter and Instagram. And until then, I will talk to you on Twitter as I always do.